Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I was doing the math, and I think that I actually haven't seen you in a year, probably. No, I think the last time I saw you was at last year's Opaf. Third places fair, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. I it, not for lack of trying. I we, it's definitely we definitely been in touch uh, through Instagram and had the intention of like running into each other yeah. at stuff, but just like uh, not having a car has made that incredibly difficult for me to get out. That makes sense. And also, I, I'm the first to admit that I've been, um, like, for about a year now, a little bit less on the radar than I typically am. I think I just had, like, a lot of changes and moved a lot this yeah. past year. And I um, found it difficult to be as there for everything. No, totally. I, um, yeah. And I wasn't going to things unless it was, like really close friends or something that I was super, super interested in if it was out of the way, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, and, and it, uh, I don't want to give people the wrong impression. It's not like we would have been kicking it otherwise. Uh, we, we are relatively new ish friends. We met through uh, made in LA or I was uh, organizing with made in LA and then you guys, you were, or you were doing uh, your bed and breakfast stuff, right? Yeah. before you took a little hiatus and then uh now you're back so that's why i wanted to have you on let me do a quick intro sure uh welcome to what's my thesis i'm your host javier proenza every week my guests and i share the answers we found to the questions we have join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask what's my thesis uh today my guest is uh jacqueline falcone uh which i have to fight the urge to pronounce falcone you don't have to. That's the correct way to say my okay. name. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't want to offend you. Yeah. I well, but I also didn't want to correct you and be like, you know, it's supposed to be said Falcone. No. Every time it's supposed to be said Falcone. I just even don't like. I wasn't really raised being told to say it like that because really? we're so Americanized, you know. Yeah. Well, do you want to know who who I think of when I think of Falcone? Yeah. So there was this guy that was. Uh, uh, in Italy when I was a kid I think it happened when I was a kid it could have just been that I heard the story when I was a kid but um, so this guy was prosecuting the mafia yes and then they Lawyer, right? what's that this, so this was in my lifetime yes okay so the, this guy so he's a judge Giudice Falcone and he uh, was prosecuting the mafia the mafia a lot of one of the things that I like to remind people about fascism is that it's not what people really think of over here we associate fascism with like Germans and organization and stuff but like the Italians they really liked fascism because it was a way to stop the mafia so this was like uh, you know in, in the 1940s but Giudice Falcone was this guy that was like actually doing a really like he was holding uh yeah I don't know if he was a fascist but he was holding mafia to account uh there was like a huge prosecution going down and he was driving on a fucking freeway or a highway of some kind and they just rigged the highway to blow up when it when he drove over it totally <laughs> I mean 
Yeah, he was he was from Sicily, I think. That would make sense. I, there's no relation as far as I know. However, well, I mean, I he was one of the good guys, so it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, he was trying to like overthrow the power of the Sicilian mafia, and like specifically. Yeah. And then I think he was the bombing was in like Capacci or something, and he he like. Yeah, I would, like I don't know how you don't see that coming when you're trying to take down the mob, though. But I guess he probably he probably did, right? I mean, you have to. Know I think he in- he figured there was a hit. I just didn't think. I mean, that's pretty extravagant, dude. Just just blow up a fucking highway, or did they blow up the car? I could be just misremembering it. Um, I don't. I'm not sure actually. I know that it it, it was a bomb. Yeah, it I definitely know. wasn't a car bomb where he got in and turned the key and it went off like he was driving. So yeah. anyway, but that shit is crazy. Uh, so you grew up, uh, Miami Italian and I have to fight the urge to call you a Wajira. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't be the first, but I, I, so I was actually born in New York and I lived there until I was like 10. So my family's pretty New Yorker Italian, but with that said, like a very natural trajectory of that background is to end up in South Florida. So we moved there when my grandmother was getting older and she lived in Key Largo. Nice. And my mom was just worried, you know, she, first of all, we couldn't afford a house like ever in New York. And my mom wanted that for my brother and I, and um, my grandmother, I guess had okay credit. So she moved her from Key Largo to South Florida and, um, and they like signed a mortgage together on the first house that we ever had. And or the only house we ever had outside of apartment buildings. And, um, yeah, so my, my family is, is, they're more like the, like the, I don't want to say that they're the stereotype of what you see in like Italian New Yorkers in movies, but there are like a couple of characters like that. Like my uncle's name is Frankie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm sure it was Francesco at some point. When he was like a baby and then it just became Frankie. He like goes to bet on horses every day and stuff, you know? Really? And he's like an Italian man. He's actually, he's the only one in our family that's like born and raised in Italy and he married in. But like, but yeah, there's certainly some stereotypes, Uh huh. but nobody in the mob as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, that I, I, uh, that's not what I was asking, <laughs> but I'm happy to know about that stuff. Yeah, it, it is crazy. A story I've told on the show before is that my mom used to go to a hairdresser in Rome and uh, he would always just be bitching about like protection money. So like that shit is real and it still happens because he, 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 he do you know where the Circus Maximus is? Il Circo Massimo. It's like uh, where the Ben-Hur movie took place. Um and uh, and so like he has like a prime real estate spot. It's like across from the UN uh, Food and Agriculture Organization, right near. Like it's it, all of that stuff is like really just like a walking distance from each other. You can do a loop and see the Forum, see the um, Colosseum, see the Circo Massimo, pa- walk past the Vittorio Emanuele steps, which is where which is the wedding cake, which is like a celebration of. Um, a unified kingdom of Italy, which a lot of people think of like it's Italy as being very old. It's they're actually a younger country than us, mm-hmm. a younger nation state than us, and they took less less than five years to become fascist. And then, so where the wedding cake is is where uh, Mussolini used to give his speeches. It's like um, it's this big white building with like I don't know. It looks very fascistic. 
mm-hmm. what you would associate with, which oddly enough is what like Americans uh, did in Washington D.C. They emulated a lot of that stuff. Sure. But um, but yeah, so uh, we, we, just out of curiosity, I don't know that people will be too interested, but I'm trying to pigeonhole you a little bit. Where did you go to high school in Miami? In Boca, actually. Oh, you went to Boca. Okay, then I'm not going to be able to figure anything out. So yeah. you're so. Oh. How long were you in Miami? Um, from when I was like 16 or 17 until four years ago. Oh, okay. So like my entire, my formative, like adult, young adult years were there. Um, and it's sort of where I... Like what fig- part? Are you Gable's fam? Are you Kendall? Which isn't... No, when I first moved, well, actually, my first apartment in Miami was in South Miami, so I'm not too far from the Gables. And then, okay. um, just in a little apartment building with my like first living boyfriend at the time, and, and then I moved. I lived all over the city. I mean, I was in downtown at some point. I was in like no, super North Miami, uh, near Mokonomi. Further, like one thirty fifth, kind oh, of. Shit. Oh shit! Yeah, okay. Misaya Soto and I had a house over there, and uh, and that, is that where you started with the bed and flip breakfast stuff? No, I actually started in another house with Misael. It was Misael and I, Philip Carp, who's also a great Miami <laughs> artist. Oh no, sorry, my dog. Um, and uh, Octavia Yearwood, who's uh, she's just an amazing dancer and public speaker and and all kinds of things in in Miami. And she um, and we lived in a house together in uh, what is that neighborhood called? It's on the bay somewhere. It was like on a weird curve that was scary to back out of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember it being like a place people didn't love to visit because it was weird to park. But. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, we started it in that house. So you keep you say we it, were you collaborating with the, with the, your roommates at the time, Be, sort of out of necessity. It's funny that you already are pointing that out in this because it's like a, I feel like that's like more part of my identity crisis and all this than it is anything else. Like I don't, whenever I talk about bed and breakfast, I always say we instead of I. And it's I do that like, with the podcast too, though. So yeah, there's. Somebody that I'm collaborating with, you know, I mean, whether it's like on an exhibition or a project, what I will say about all the early years until moving to Los Angeles about B&B is that Misael in particular was always sort of like an inevitable collaborator for me. Mm. And um, whether that was just in like thinking about the project and, and speaking with somebody about it on a regular basis or, um, uh, Misael is like a social practice performance artist of all mm. kinds. Of what would you define your practice as? <sighs> yeah, so I was gonna lead into that because it's confusing for me. But oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. I, oh, I no, just no. figured we were to ask. No, no. I would. All I was gonna say is that like Misael, because we live together and they can't help themselves, and I was always interested in like what the interventions would be. Did always intervene in one way or another and it really usually was some kind of like performance in the house where whether like anyone else noticed or not it was Mm -hmm. another thing but sometimes it was like a real was it always a thing where people spent the night because that that is something that sets your um residential space gallery practice a little bit different than most other 
that I've seen. I mean, because that's I mean, like that's that's a a, ra- a reasonable way to sort of um, claim a little bit of power over your space and stuff like that, which is always something that I'm down with. But you're there's like specific parameters that I think you've evolved, that you've developed that are kind of interesting and sort of set it a little bit apart. Is that still going to be a thing where like, cause that just blew me away. Just like the idea of how much work that is to have someone fucking stay over and then yeah, have to read of... them a fucking bedtime story. Weird types of labor involved for sure. I'm lucky that I sort of enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. And that is so interesting, thing, but it is a lot sometimes. Um, so to answer your question, I it is still part of the model, but it's complicated with roommates, right? So I it changes. The thing about this project is that it's it's constantly morphing based on who I'm sharing space with in a permanent way. So like I have two roommates right now. That's more complicated for bed and breakfast than it yeah. was to live with my ex, who was on board in most ways, you know. Yeah. So it was more just like we would sit down and talk about it wasn't so much boundaries as it was just planning with a partner. Whereas now it's like setting boundaries and, and what's too much for them and uh, what parts of it they are okay with or enjoy or find interesting versus like, I'm like, how many sleepovers are okay? <laughs> and then we talk about it and set boundaries and, um, so I was about to open a show before. I know. Uh, what was it? Crocodile Tears or something? Uh, his name is O.K. Stevens Ofamata, and he is a, a young artist. He lives in Diamond Bar, um, which I had never been to before I started to work. I've never been there. <laughs> I've, I know the name, though. Yeah. It's farther east than I am. Sure. He makes these beautiful multimedia like painting collage works Mm. um and yeah we can talk about more about what that work is about if you want but i i i was you know excited to start up the more traditional um bed and breakfast exhibitions that i've done over the years with with his work yeah it must be a real bummer like I mean, dude, if I'm being completely honest, even I I have, this is like the extent of most of my socializing right now. I see all these people fucking having Zoom parties with like six different people. I'm I'm like, damn, son. (laughs) I'm like, yo, I'm a loner, dog. I talk to one person. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. The, The virtual partying is not really for me either. I really admire that people are sort of like, Oh, I'm all for it. I'm just, I just uh, don't got friends like that. I mean, I have friends, but like <laughs> that I could get six of them together yeah. and be like, yo, let's all chat. Yeah. Uh, I tried to watch a movie with some friends last night on some weird, like add on on Firefox. And it was like not working for me at all. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I could see how that would be distracting. So everyone's having to cancel all their things. I'm not a minority in this. and Oh, no, that's what's so fucking weird. Go ahead. Uh, and so I was planning this show and finally sat down with these new roommates of mine and we talked about it and set some boundaries and we were about to open it. And then it came down to like, are you still doing this when things weren't like super serious yet? And I was like, as of right now, yeah. And then a week before it was like, of course not. Yeah. Uh, but... I was going to do 
you know, less sleepovers than I have in the past, but like a few over the two months duration of the exhibition. And you're right in that there is a sort of, there's like a base model that I've always followed with those, which is that people come over at about eight or nine the night before we tend to like chat and hang out and talk about the work or whatever else for however long it obviously depends on like what my relationship with the person is. If I have one, I usually do to some extent. Um, Mm. And then I make them like some kind of nighttime beverage. If they drink, then I do like a hottie toddy type thing. Hottie toddy, hot toddy. (laughs) (laughs) Hottie toddy. That sounds Um, like a challenge that you would see models doing on Instagram. Oh, I was thinking it sounded like a porn name or something. Well, we're close. (laughs) I thought you were going to do like elevate the discussion. And I was like, oh, okay, no. Now I don't feel so bad about myself. Um, Yeah, man. So I read them a story, like you said. And then in the morning, we I make breakfast and they like, quote unquote, check out. So it's is really different person to person. What uh, so that's uh, one of the things that I like about podcasting is the intimacy level of it because it's usually you don't sit down and have like a one hour to two hour conversation with somebody, um, like where you just like all right even if it gets a little dull we're gonna have to figure out how to keep talking through this which (laughs) ultimately has happened to me recently because I've been so isolated that like dude I get nervous again now when I'm like about to talk to someone mostly because I'm talking to somebody. Because I'm so uh, isolated, yeah. but um, but yeah, I uh, it seems like having someone come over to your place. And I, b- before um, we go too deep, do you have a specific topic that you wanted to cover, or do you want to just keep talking about this kind of stuff? Yeah, not necessarily. This is all good. I mean, oh, I will yeah. say that like my practice definitely, in many ways, revolves around intimacy in the art. So like. The, I get what I know what you mean. Like when something's awkward for me, it sort of feels like gold, honestly. Yeah. It's like when my mission has to come into play in a really weird way. And, um, I have one example that I can, I I use sometimes when this comes up, which is like how I said earlier, I usually have some sort of relationship with the people who do the the sleepovers in particular. Um, Mm Sometimes it'll be like a friend of a friend that I don't know very well, but there's usually some kind of personal connection, even if it's like a writer who wants to write about the show or something. It's probably somebody that I know just because they're within our community or whatever. But there was one time during um, Norberto Rodriguez's exhibition when we were in Arlington Heights. Mm-hmm. And um, do you know Bert from Miami? Yeah, I, I used to. We used to be part of a brunch group that would eat brunches together in Miami which is like super, now that I hear it, it sounds pretty bougie, but it was like, it was, uh, what's his name? Manny Perez and like people that I know, but I don't really know. Like, I don't know that, uh, I I would say I'm acquainted with, with Bert. Manny's a really close friend of mine as well. In fact, when I first moved to LA, that's who I was with for like a month or two before I found a place. You were staying with him? With Manny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, 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 they're they're kind of older than us, though, right? Like they're a generation ahead. They're, I don't know how old you are, but I'm thirty nine. I'm thirty, or I'm turning thirty, actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're older than me. But Manny came into my life as like big brother type for sure when I first yeah. met him. But anyway, so I during Bert's exhibition, there was one sleepover, um, where. I didn't know the person and they, and um, 
when she knocked on the door to check in and stay the night with us, um, I immediately saw that she was like, oh shit, I didn't really understand this when I booked this. Like as soon as I opened the door. Yeah. And I like my instinct to, to make, to keep it, you know, make that happen, make that connection happen and, and experience intimacy with this person at like whatever level they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, that kicked in right away. So I just kind of like started asking her how she found out about the project. It turns out that she, she was an Israeli artist doing the, um, the, uh, what's her name? Uh, Andrea Zatel residency in the desert. Mm-hmm. And she, I guess was just following Bert on Instagram for whatever reason. He has like a pretty big internet presence on um, he's been doing it for a while he used to be represented by some big spaces in miami and then i think now he just fired everybody right or maybe i shouldn't be talking about his career like that. i think he would tell everyone but yeah he was with fred and, and fred snitzer in miami and he just dropped all his galleries at once one year yeah. yeah and did like the whole went like crazy on instagram for sure so he has like definitely has like more like followers on instagram that he doesn't know than i would for example and she mm. was following him and then saw that he had an exhibition and since she was going to be in LA for a few days after her residency in the desert, she just like went to our website and emailed me. And, um, it was really awkward for only a few minutes, but it's, I've, I am a pretty social creature. So it's usually pretty easy for me to find like common ground with people and Mm. not in a way that's forced. Like I'm in, 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 uh, well, I mean, it's the it's the centerpiece of your practice, ultimately, right? It, your your practice. Yeah, I've, I I remember seeing you talk at Katz's Deli about uh, the the thing that you guys did there, um, and I remember you. Uh, I'll only say it because uh, I'm going to be speaking well of you and not ill of him. But I remember meeting your ex uh, at the time, and like he was sort of the more vocal person out of the two of you. But then when I went to the Katz's Deli, I was like. Oh, that's when I figured out, oh, like Jackie's, this is Jackie's project, you know, just because of the way that you like there was a brunch and you were commanding the the conversation in such a way that I was like, oh, and that's when I realized like how I learned a lot about sort of that element of it. And you spoke about it in a way that I had never heard someone talk about hosting as an art practice, which I found very interesting. Um, I don't know if you want to maybe talk a little bit about why uh, hosting as a a centerpiece if the, I mean not to guide you too much but I am sort of curious to hear that again because it's been <laughs> over a year <laughs> well I mean okay so I'll just give you like the mission background yeah, yeah totally with, and then tell you like what my little like silly punk rock 20 year old self thought I was doing at the time and how it's it's evolved into a mature <laughs> that's like still focused on those ideas, but I have a better understanding of how I'm operating within them for sure. Um, I founded it in 2012 and it was just be like a curatorial platform, alternative exhibition space. It was obviously existing within a personal residence, specifically a bedroom, like we've already talked about. And I like through hosting these exhibitions and installations and performances and happenings and my dog is barking. It's okay. Alan is adorable. <laughs> um, and meals, oftentimes, I was just trying to like blur lines between public and private. And I obviously had this like commitment to social interaction 
as like a, as a means to nurture community mm-hmm. and I was addressing or I still I, I, I tried to address like how art and hospitality and also inevitably architecture can cross paths and and the reason why that's like the foundation of, of the mission of bed and breakfast is because when I when I founded the project I was quite young and living in Miami still and I worked at the MOCA mm-hmm. in North Miami and which is MOCA Nomi which I referenced earlier yeah and I also was doing some work in galleries and such and I um I was just like seeing I was I was learning young like what the higher-ups how they wanted us to act towards certain people and it and I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I had like bosses or like towards what people like say in a gallery when I worked at galleries when I was younger, um, there would be things said that were essentially just like, if they don't look like they can afford art, then don't even worry about speaking to them too much. And yeah, that's not the way that I want to exist in the art world. Definitely Um, in the art world. That makes sense. But uh, you just reminded me that my boss calls that uh, pitching a tent. Or start starting a campfire, because yeah. I, I'm working in sales, and if you're like talking to someone that doesn't have money, <laughs> they they think that way. But no, but I totally understand how that's a bit okay, of a turn. Okay, so as a side comment, one, I just don't believe in that. Like, no, yeah, yeah, morally, but also, you know, I want I want everyone to learn about art, no matter who they are, and, and enjoy it and, and see things how they they want to see them. But I. I also would make sales to people all the time that bosses like wouldn't give the time of day to glance out because they forget that the wealthiest dude in the room or woman is the one that's wearing sweatpants and flip flops. You know, it's like, especially in Florida, they don't have to give a pot. They don't have to look like they do if they don't, you know? Yeah. So anyway. Okay. So that, that it's, so with that said, like without getting too deep into that, it obviously started as an institutional critique. I wouldn't say that it isn't still, but it's just, evolved into um something that it's less reactionary now it's less reactionary i'm i guess like all good things start with a reaction maybe to something Mm -hmm. that that you feel strongly about but um sort of become its own thing now yeah and those are still things that i I believe in obviously you know there's like this this idea of like accessibility stems from that essentially which is like after a few of these shows or even just a couple really i would i would be in the in my living room, like seeing people socialize that you don't usually see talking about art together. So that, that means like my mom's friend that's never been to a gallery before or like a cousin or something. Mm -hmm. And like the director of the Perez art museum, like having a conversation about what they're looking at or a you know, a curator, an academic or something with like somebody who they don't normally talk to about these things. And, And they were really sort of just beautiful exchanges and mm-hmm. I, I think I realized that it was like it was working and that I had to think about it more and 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 not only like move through this project with like some pretty specific intent that I think I've stuck to over the years but also like like given to where it, it shifts and, and morphs and um or where things maybe just like aren't as important anymore or something over the years and um be flexible but don't lose sight of that, that sort of like core mission of, um, you know, this like commitment to 
addressing like a, a couple of things that are really important to me, like how art and hospitality can cross paths. And like, just to like sum all that up, that's because I was seeing that it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Like that institutional critique I'm referring to is exactly that. It's just like, this is not a, a warm, hospitable environment. And well, that yeah, is- by design, they're usually sort of sterile exactly sterile and, and and very white and and um i mean that in more ways than yeah no, no. <laughs> I, I i think i think we all heard it <laughs> uh, and went yes yeah and it's natural for me to like host gatherings and introduce people to one another and um and connect with people on an intimate level, like in my, my home for the, you know, like there's something that happens at these open hours, which is like more of a community gathering versus what happens at the sleepovers that are very intimate. Like you, you pointed out and they're different experiences. Well, even, sorry, even the, um, sorry to cut in, even the, uh, the, the open hours though are still comparatively intimate. Like, cause you can conceivably go into a gallery space and just mm-hmm. fucking blend. And like, no one's going to like, you, like you can just pop in and pop out. It's really yeah. hard not to be noticed in like, at least it, um, I've only experienced it at the Arlington Heights location, but that space is jammed and it leads to, like you said, some awkward experiences where you sort of have to push through and be like, oh, uh, I can't just pretend I'm not here. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you can't just blend in the same way that they're not there. You know, I don't people want to talk about art with each other for the most yeah. part. I'm not saying that like I enjoy certain moments of solitude with art, obviously. And, and I like to think by myself and, and look at things. And I do that in museums all the time, but I, I maybe what I mean is that that they also want something like this. That's like both social and yeah. Yeah. No, it, t- I- it totally changes the dynamic, especially also because you know that it's someone's living space as well. Yeah, I talk to every single person that comes in, even if it's like a pretty, uh, you know, like well-attended opening or open hours or whatever. There's nobody that's in this, even now, like I'm in this big house now and it's going to be a little different than the some of the apartment spaces have been. But like, there's not, yeah, you can't not have a, a conversation and learn something about one another in this context. And and there's also like the easy in, which is like, how do you know this person? Because like, you don't usually go into galleries and go like, how do you know about Mac and Bumble? You know? Yeah, it's a party or something. Where yeah, like, hey, it's like a blend a- of house party and uh, yeah, and other stuff. Um, what do you, do you actually make objects? Uh, not that, uh, not to invite, I don't mean that in a, in an, uh, invalidating way but do you do you make actual objects as well because I do know that you like I mean obviously you there is clearly a practice you're making scones you're making uh uh, like the spread at these things is going to be considerably better than the spread at a uh opening right (laughs) I would hope so (laughs) (laughs) it's not just cheese I don't think I've ever seen a can of tecate at your at your apartment uh, I don't know if that's an institutional choice. <laughs> well, I don't mind the I love beer, but I... <laughs> um, so this, I guess this is a good way to circle back to the like identity question that you brought mm-hmm. up in the beginning, which is, you know, I have a hard time with this question, but I like talking about it. I, cause every time I feel like I get at it a little bit more, but I, 
so I went to school when I was like 17 and started to go to college for photography. So I did like have the intent to be an artist. I. It makes sense. That actually connects a dot for me though, because of the way I do think that photography is such a rigorous, um, academic practice specifically well, when, when that that like it helps you apply that way of thinking into other things now i'm starting to see a little bit more of an overlap in... i think it's like maybe more intimate than in terms of uh be like with other with subjects and stuff than oh I wanna... okay i wasn't I... even thinking i just meant in like how you you're how the thinking of it how you approach the thinking of it like right like camera like uh, the idea that photography can only do certain things and it can't do other things like uh, the most basic one. Anyway, I I I don't want to go off on a on a tirade. It's not like painting where you can sort of do whatever. You yeah, want. painting you can make you can make things look like things. Painting you can make things not look like things. Painting you know there's like yeah. the, you can go Clement Greenberg. You can go Frank yeah. Stella. Like right. The, um, but whereas photography is very much like this is what it does. This is what it can and can't do. You know, there's a close relative like film where. Oh well, photography is not film because it's a still image, and when you have a still image, you don't have a narrative because you don't have beginning, middle, and end. People have argued with me on this. I will go to my grave believing that. that I'm not a photo academic person. <laughs> I stopped being a photographer very, very young. Really quickly, and I will say that uh, I was encouraged to be a curator by my photography teacher. So. There was, she ended up being like a mentor for me. I was at Palm Beach Community College. Mm -hmm. uh, wow, you're Miami. Just because I, I didn't know. And then I changed to Miami-Dade, but I I was in community college. And I, Samantha Salzinger, who's this like amazing, she makes, um she builds these like beautiful sort of like nature, but sort of otherworldly like kind of sci-fi dioramas that are quite mm. big it'll be like her whole dining room table and then she shoots them usually in large format and like alters them a little bit but um she I was studying photography with her and then I was hired to be the lab assistant so I was like running the digital lab in the dark room and working with stu other students and stuff and we started some like club or whatever in the art department and had exhibitions and stuff. And I was organizing them and reading certain things. In community college. Damn dude. Uh, and she was like giving me, yeah, we didn't have any money to do anything. I would like write to still the wherewithal is like, I don't, I wasn't fucking, I was like, I'm just finishing my classes when I was in community college. Yeah. I wasn't like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to show into, I'm going to start a uh, artist run space. <laughs> Well, so we would just do it wherever and we'd find like store fronts that were vacant and like write to the owner or whatever and do little shows. But she was like, she basically just like asked me if I knew what a curator was. And I was like, kind of. And then I started talking and she was like, you're right with the kind of. Cause like, I think she wasn't trying to discourage me. Like she wasn't saying I was a bad photographer. She was saying that I was a better facilitator. And, um, and I just kind of like started doing little projects from there. And then when I got older is when I was like, oh, I guess that's what I am. But it's morphed so much in the sense that like most people would say what I'm doing is social practice now, which yeah, yeah, I think is true. I think it's a mashup of um, 
Well, that's what I, that, that you answered my question because I was going to ask you: uh, Do you consider yourself? Uh, uh, do you consider it a curatorial practice or an art practice? But I always sort of got the feeling that you thought of it as an art practice, and uh, you just confirmed that for me. I think, right? I think it's both. Yeah, yeah. I do work as a curator. Like I, I, I do the studio visit, and I, I write the text, and I, I spend a lot of time with these artists, and I, I try and support them however I can. Um, I get people to, to look at their work. I, I do all the things that like a sort of like institutionalized curator would do, but in the context of this like bedroom space and write press releases and like talk to writers and reporters and stuff, you know, like that's the, and like, I'm doing the same kind of reading that a lot of curators would maybe, I just don't see myself as that kind of academic. And I, I, I think that that would be a disservice to myself to do so and I think that people that see me like that are like missing some of the point and to me it's sort of the more important point so like I wouldn't not call myself a curator I do all the time and other people do but I um yeah I obviously I'm still struggling with this question no I I mean dude I I, I, it's so confusing I I was just practice and you brought the baking up because baking feels like art making to me so like yeah, that it's the same feeling for me as like somebody being in their studio and I'm very focused on it when I'm doing it. And it's like the thing that calms me down and makes me feel like I'm making something that is like a, to some capacity important, you know, like feed, feeding people. Um, but how does it feel to be doing that now as a necessity? Because I think that with yeah. the quarantine you've been like you told me you were up at 5 a.m baking goods yeah so i do you want to promote that here or is that is that a low-key thing no that's cool okay what, what i i want to say in relation to this that while everything's really sad and yucky and confusing and complicated and we're not very supported by our government <laughs> I, <laughs> we don't have to talk about that but with that said I'm seeing a lot of peer-to-peer support. Yeah. And I don't, I wish that it did. We didn't have to support one another to this extent, but it is interesting to see how certain people are stepping up and what that it feels very, very, like you said, necessity. So it feels very basic right now. And it's sort of, to me, a really beautiful way. I like it when things go back to basics, things get clearer when that Mm -hmm. happens. Right. Um, You're seeing like, okay, so the friends who didn't lose their day job, and are working from home and are making the same money are the ones that are going to buy my scones or what, or that are going to buy my friends art, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, like, there's this new economy that's happening right now. And it's interesting for like, for me, it's like, okay, what skills do I have? Like I'm not a computer whiz. I'm just like going through the things you can do from home. You know, I'm Although not... you did run a photo lab. So <laughs> that's, I'm pretty impressed with that. <laughs> that shit must have been a fucking nightmare. Uh, so, we don't have know, to get into it, but I've, I've worked in photo labs. My God. I liked running the dark room. It was the digital lab that I was just like constantly like, I'm going to have to just like learn that with you right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, because I don't know how to answer that or what I'm like, I don't even have Photoshop on my computer now, you know, like I don't yeah. even know. Well, I mean, it's $20 uh, a month. It's, yeah. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> I just mean, I don't like have the skill set of doing oh, yeah. that, anymore, you know? Um, so like my skill set, I could have looked at it in two ways. Like, Oh fuck, this is complicated. 
because now I have to like start a business rather than just taking these like little freelance gigs, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, for background right now, I've sort of like given up on working in the institution as a day job. Is this uh long-term or short-term? I don't know. You know, okay. I, I was like, I was laid off by a You job. were a pretty in, uh, reputable one too. Uh, and when that happened, I was bummed, but like kind of took it as, as an opportunity to like make some kind of shift that probably in the end was really good for me. But I, I think there was like, I swallowed a bunch of pride after that. It was like anything preventing me from just like watching other people like, okay, so I'm a nanny now again, mm. which I've in the past and I've gone back to it a number of times in my life when I'm like either just like screwed or confused. Mm-hmm. in this case it was a mix of both and yeah. um, what I'm finding is that it's like now that I'm older doing it and could be a mother frankly I it's different like I don't I see so much more value in it than I did when I was younger doing that mm. and um I feel less like a loser doing that kind of work than I did when I was younger and like yeah. that that kind of thinking is probably what made me like two days ago be able to wake up and be like, there's a business I've been trying to start for a year. Maybe I should just fucking do it tomorrow morning. Yeah. And that literally happened. I watched it happen. I can attest it (laughs) happened like that. Like you just one day snapped your fucking fingers and you were doing that. Well, Um, that's the thing is like, we prohibit ourselves so much with these like ideas of, um, So I have a partner now and him and I were just chatting this morning about how like he makes music and and I do what I do. And and so we're both in this sort of like creative process, but I think this applies to anyone where you, 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 if you're like stuck looking at only your long-term goals of like what you want the thing you, you do to be, then you're just going to constantly step on your own feet. And that's what I've been doing with the baking thing for literally years. Yeah. but the last year I keep saying like, I'm going to start a business and I was trying to like make it so legit that I just wouldn't have gotten there without an investor. And then the other day it was like, like you said, now that it's necessity, you just have to like do it to some extent and roll with the punches. And like, if it doesn't go smoothly, then you figure it out or whatever. And I just like, was like, okay, I can't find flour anywhere, but I'm going to do this. And like, found wait, the rest. You- how did you find flour then? At a restaurant supply and like near Chinatown. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, okay, this is not going to be like fancy flour, but nobody cares. They just want a treat right now and, and to be nourished. And so like once I just like let go of certain ideas of what I wanted this, this thing to be, or like, does it tie into bed and breakfast or is it a separate thing or like, Oh, the burden of being an artist. <laughs> you have to give it all meaning. Fuck. Once, like, I, that re- I relate to that feeling. Like when you said that, I was like, I do that too. Go ahead. This- super DIY or do I like talk to friends who own businesses and ask them how you find an investor? It it was just like all these like really, and I'm not saying that those are not important questions to ask in starting a business. And I think I will, you know, now that I've just been doing it this week at my own scale, I would, I see, um, I'm really seeing like my own potential right now in this because Mm. it's the thing that I've maybe like I think perhaps I I lost for a second I lost sight of that and um it's because I 
everything's so blurry that I do that I get I get really I'm the first person to admit that I get confused really often and I know that's not a cool fancy word to describe how I feel a lot of the time but it really is just like sheer confusion like half of the time and then like the other half I'm like trying to make sense of that confusion and do something with it and sometimes that's like where really cool shit happens but um you know from the outside you can't tell just I don't know if that it seems all graceful and <laughs> everything is landing into place with intention from over here. So, but I th- I appreciate you sharing that because that's that's a lot of intention. But that's like where the confusion maybe stems from. Sometimes is like okay, here's the best example of this. I'm, I would love to talk more about the baking, but just for a second. No, but, we don't have to talk about anything in particular. Go. Um, I last year I was part bed and breakfast was selected to be in current LA, and it was like an obvious cure curatorial choice for them because I work with food so much and that's what the theme of this one was Uh and that's when you did the solar baking yes and so I solar baking for people that don't know is cooking with the sun you have like reflective boxes it's like when you used to see like people uh sunbathing with those like reflective uh things you just put food on them and they'll cook no 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 (laughs) it's simple more complicated than that but that's what's so cool about it right anyway so like the when i was asked to do current la i had really only done like a couple other programs outside of the context of like what bed and breakfast sort of like regular model is which is in, in the home specifically in my bedroom and then like the gathering of it obviously bleeds out into the rest of the home but the actual programming was typically only in my bedroom and i really I don't think that I that I um, didn't do anything that I should have done because of that. But then when all of a sudden there were these like opportunities to do more super public programming, I was like, how does this exist out of the context of the bedroom? And um, I started questioning whether that would be just like Jacqueline Falcone as an independent curator doing a project or if this is bed and breakfast, because at the end of the day, um all of my endeavors programmatically and bed and breakfast and curatorial choices that I make um, all have to do with hospitality. So it just doesn't, it felt, I, I finally hit me like, oh, there's a way to take this quote unquote out of context. And that's because it's not as long as I'm doing the same kind of programming and still doing the exhibitions at whatever pace I can, I can do them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I don't even remember why we were talking about this, but just my confusion. With- yeah, confusion and 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 having to to put those. Um, it, it, you see, you seem to still be on track. So what I'm getting is that like uh, when you were presented with another opportunity, you had to make a decision. Like you were just walking us through that confusion. Like you had to make a decision. Yeah, is this is panicky, this? I guess, right, and and like it wasn't because I was like, should I be smacking my name on this because I deserve for people to know that this is Jacqueline Falcone facilitating this. It was more just like, I didn't understand if I was, if it was the same thing as what I do with bed and breakfast. And now there's this like fun moment where I'm like, everything I do is bed and breakfast. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you dummy. What are you, what are you saying? Like baking is bed and breakfast, call it bread and breakfast. And like, just like mushing everything together in a in a way that like totally makes sense there's like nothing about it that doesn't I was just like so uh 
I don't know, we're taught a lot of things about how we have to talk about what it is that we do in, in yeah. the world, right? Instead of just being like, I don't know, I'm just doing what I'm doing and it's all kind of the same, even if it's in a different form every time. And uh, Well, the nice thing about being an artist outside of art school is that, right? Like that... Um, want now. What's that? I didn't really go to art school. That's a oh, fun... No. <laughs> I just assumed that you did because of how you speak about it. You know, well, no, what did I'm, you study? I wouldn't say that I'm anti, but I definitely am glad that I I didn't. In retrospect, I got into some programs that I just couldn't like afford to pull off. And was this, is this for a BFA or an MFA? Um, for BFA, and I didn't have a lot of money when I was in college, so I didn't really like like go through it the way that I would have liked to, or like even really like finish anything super clear. And, and then I just started working and then I started bed and breakfast, but I, yeah, I don't have like that. I have like the same jargon because I've read all this, like a lot of the same things as everyone that went mm. to, to grad school that I'm around all the time and people don't ask a lot because I had the jobs that I did at museums and stuff, but I totally don't have like a super formal education. And I, I like that about myself now. I think it really like hurt. I don't know how formal education is to be honest with you having, having undergone it. I think you're fine. That people go through, you yeah, know, like, yeah. That. Yeah, it, there's well, there's an element of brainwashing to to that process that I've discussed on the show before. That is is exactly I lack that. Yeah, and there and there's also like a power dynamic that I don't always think is healthy. Yeah, you know where it's like they are they literally will say sometimes, yeah, our job is to break you down and build you back back up. I'm like, you know who else says that? Cults. Yeah, it's abusive. It's it, it is. It's and it's super patriarchal. Not to like. Uh, be all feminist about it but like I mean I think that it's like it's like we paid we paid our dues yeah I don't know I yeah that's I all I can say about all of this is like once I realized that my curatorial practice is just like a mashup that's shaped by these like multiple but totally supplementary interests I got less, a little bit less confused. And that's very recent for me. Like when I realized that everything was so much more connected than I was um, allowing myself to see, it got more interesting for me. Like the fact that I'm like starting a business now and it feels the same thing as running bed and breakfast to me in a way. Yeah. It's a good thing, you know. Like I don't. Maybe I don't want to compartmentalize. I think I function better when I mush everything together and recognize that it's like, you know, I don't. Well, it sounds like you're you're basically finding your way of existing within this like fucking craziness as well, which I'm sure is reassuring. It sounds like you're about where people usually get to when they're thirty and they start thinking about like. What is going on? It, like you sort of, I, there's a moment where in your life where you stop worrying about being cool and things. Like mm-hmm. I think that when you're younger, that's very important. Like you, even you, you uh, referenced it when you were like, oh, I'm, I'm less worried about being cool <laughs> or being, you know, a- and having this job. I've also gotten over that quite a bit. Yeah, I don't need the art job anymore. I like to work within these institutions where it makes sense for me now. So I should, I should have prefaced all of that by saying that it, 
it wasn't this like down with the institution statement necessarily. I think a lot of them need to like shift and yeah, in their mission and like and uh, and be more accessible in a lot of ways and care about more things than they do typically. But I I I love a lot of these places and I I frequent them and and I, I just want them to do better maybe. But I. I, um, yeah, it really just, like you said, it comes down to like, I don't care anymore if I work at one of them anymore. Like I'll do, I, you know, I had a couple things that were supposed to happen this month at the ICA. I think the ICA is doing a pretty good job with a lot of things that I tend to, um, yeah, you know, complain about with other institutions, especially. It's one of the things that's really also uh, difficult is just, it is very like, no matter how much you try it is all related to the white space that we referenced earlier. Yeah, and I just don't care anymore if, like, yeah. when you ask me where I work, if their face looks impressed or not. Yeah, definitely. Or, you know what else it is? It's that, like, as, like, an arts administrator, which is what my day job has always been, really, you know, I... Uh, yeah, as an admin, it's weird that that we want, we would, ra okay, so we would rather work a shitty job at an art institution because it's within an art institution and we want to, like, be around the yeah. thing that we care about versus, like, why would I want to do that instead of hanging out with, like, fun, cute kids and, and like, teaching them and learning from them? Like, why is yeah. it, for yeah. me, a person who likes being around children and has that skill set and can make quite frankly, if you make the right moves more money than working at these institutions, then that's no fucking lie, by the way. Why, why not? You know, like, why do I have to have another, you know, to this, my resume looks fine. You know, I don't need another art job just for the sake of an art job. I look good on paper. I just yeah. don't care about adding another line to it anymore. And I, I love to work with these places on things that make sense for me to do now. I don't need to sit in their office and like work in development anymore, you know? Yeah. So that's where I'm at with all of that. I just want to, I just want to like be happy. When I, go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's so but it seems, no, but it seems like you're, uh, I, it seems, uh, you know, it definitely seems like you're maturing, uh, like even just from watching your Instagram, like not that, uh, not like you, you're, 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 I, I've actually seen like a change in you over the, in the time that I've known you just the way that you present yourself outwardly as well. Um, not that one is better than the other, but I definitely see a lot more introspection, a lot more, um, you know, and like, obviously this is what you're curating and putting out into the world. So it's interesting to always like, it's always interesting to see how people are like living their life online and then actually speak to them, have an intimate conversation with them. Because really, this is the longest conversation we've had by far, I would assume. You know, like, I mean, unless I'm forgetting someone, uh, something, a, a talk that we had. But we've always talked briefly. But it's always interesting to, like, get to know somebody and really what the thinking is behind. Because everybody sort of, uh, like, I don't think you know how much strength you actually project outwards. And strength, now, I, I, that made, that's a word that made me cringe. But, like, um, security, sense of uh, sense of um 
I'm a little bit more confident than I was even like a year ago. You know? But but even but I've I never thought of you as unconfident. Like even though I've seen the evolution in your uh, in your Instagram, like you know, uh, specifically after you got laid off, there's been like a, a, a specific change. I think that now I'm picking up on that after having spoken to you. But um, and like I, it's only for people that are looking for these kinds of things. I don't think that it's like a super dramatic. Like you, you weren't like. Well, I think what you're saying makes sense in the sense that like I, so you, when you, there's this thing that happens as like an artist or, or a curator or just a creative where you like have your day job and then you're constantly finding spa making space for your practice. And once yeah. I, I wasn't working within an art institution, thinking about other people's ideas all the time. I was able to focus more on my own ideas. Yes, that's it. Thank you for verbalizing it. Go ahead. No, it's true. That's it. I mean, you know, like I'm inspired by working with children, so it doesn't feel um, like a burden to go to work when I do that. And this like even like it doesn't even feel like a burden of time necessarily because I'm not like pissed off and exhausted when I get home. Yeah. And like not, I don't want to work on my own stuff or something like I come home and I'm like, there's are a number of things that happened today that made me think about this, this and this and how it applies to, you know, all the things that I'm, I am trying to put out. So yeah, I think your observation is valid in the sense that it's like, there's a priority on my practice right now that I've never had perhaps the luxury of having, but also, it was the choices I was making, right? Like, I think I needed to have most of those jobs, and I learned a lot from them. And like, yeah, one hundred percent, all of them all day. But like, it doesn't mean that I didn't have some really cool experiences being like an incredibly young woman, in like some powers of uh, positions of power within these institutions, where I was able to like be a part of certain conversations that were cool to be a part of, or just learn the ins and outs of like even how, you know, like I write good press releases. I think I write okay press releases or I know how to at least because I had to do it for work. So there yeah. are like skills that I learned within the institution that are interesting to apply to something. So artists run like this. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, you're not, I think it's more, more that I'm mostly thinking about what I want to do. Well, and and to bring it back to that confusion that you're talking about, uh, first of all, it's awesome that you're like vulnerable enough to like sort of be like, yo, I kind of don't know what the fuck I'm doing, which is sort of like what my thesis is. <laughs> but um, but I think that there is also something to be said for the confusion and for the fact that like um, sometimes like life experience is so tied to art practice. Right. Like I remember specifically a teacher that I uh, was not a fan of um, telling me she told me that uh, like I was taking pictures of walls and she told me like, you can't do that. You haven't you don't have the life experience. You don't have the, the, the basic knowledge required to really take like that picture. It's one of those pictures like pictures of walls, derelict walls and shit like that are um at this point like cliched and you really have to bring something is and so it was a valid point from someone that i did that ultimately i'm not a fan of but stuck with me which is like um when i look at my art when i was a bfa and shit like that like i have to be like 
dude, you didn't know anything back then. <laughs> you know, that's why it's so heavy handed. That's why it's not as good as like what I like, what I, what I, or I don't think about it the same way that I think about the stuff that I make now. Right. Uh, so, so to, to me that, that like that level of experience, that level of confusion, that is the practice, right? If, with, with, if you fucking were confident about everything all the time, you know what also I was just thinking when you were talking just now, something you said made me think of this, but there's also like within the institution, like working again to go back to that work, like being a young administrator in the institution, even if you have ideas of what you want to do outside of that, very often there's some like sort of power hungry leader. I have an example that by the end of the sentence, I'll decide whether I want to say. <laughs> we, we don't have to say who it was. Well, we so can speak in vagaries. I started bed and breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. I was 21 or something. And I was working at one of these said institutions in Miami. and Or maybe even one that you didn't mention. Sh- just to keep it safe. Totally. <laughs> I don't care. But I, so basically, I work like the director of the museum was a, like, she's totally the trope of like a, curator woman and she's you know like she wasn't nice to some people and I was excited to share with everyone that I was doing this thing and sent everyone an email in the office and stuff and most people were like really sweet about it and came or like were like good you know like they were there was like a sense of pride that like the young girl in the office was gonna do a thing and it sounded interesting or whatever and and like everyone's proud of each other all the time because you're there all the time. So you care mm-hmm. about each other. But um, I, I sent it to her, even though I knew she, it was the first year of Basel was supposed to be in China, I think. And I knew she was going to be away for the fair, but I sent it to her anyway, just to like, be like, I don't know. Like, even if I didn't like her that much, I still wanted her to know what I was up to, I guess, because mm-hmm. she was like the successful curator and older and, she like did the thing that I thought maybe I was going to do. And she just like, instead of congratulating me, she was like, I hope you're not using our mailing list. <gasps> what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even say like, sorry, I'll be out of town. Sorry. I can't make it break a leg. Like it, or congratulations, nothing. It was just like, uh, yeah. Like don't, don't use, your work resources, yeah. And um, she did that. And then something happened where after the first opening, she had found out that a lot of people were there and basically was like asking me if she could have me invite people for something we had coming up at the museum. And so I think a lot of times, it, you know, like as much as you can learn from these places, sometimes when you, if you're not supported within them, then that's how people stay somewhere for so long and never do that. It's like, it's, I'm not saying we shouldn't take responsibility for our own trajectories in some ways, but it is hard to work, work within the institution and like sometimes feel a little crippled by it in your own practice or like, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons that I decided made a choice not to work in within the gallery system, and by the way, we are at an hour. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I definitely want to have you back on, but I don't want to take too much more of your time. 
Um, but yeah, the, the like I remember, I I used to work uh, at Fred's back in the day um, as a as an art handler, which is how which is after the. Um, this is juicy. What's that? This is juicy then. Well, yeah. Oh. No, I I just I mean I'm not gonna get into like too much inside gossip. Uh, I was working there by around the time where they built a second gallery, and uh, I got to meet I got to hang out with Beatrix and the Gavin, who you, who had a studio across uh, Frederick like uh, Gavin Perry and Beatrice Montavaro. Is that her name? They're so cool. Yeah, they're just like <laughs> they're like um, they're like the supportive uh, mentors. They were so nice to me. Always, I, I put I put up one of uh, I installed one of her pieces one time, which was like a whole bunch of like uh, little um, individual things. But anyway, I, I digress. Uh, I I I definitely want to have both of them on the show. Actually, I've been thinking about inviting them. I just haven't, and like I knew them for like five minutes, and they still wish me happy birthday and shit. Like that's the kind of people they are. But aside, you know, I remember seeing how the artists were treated versus how the underlings were treated and mm-hmm. i and i was like and i've heard this also talk about like you know uh i heard i've heard a comedian talk about this like uh extras telling writers that they want to be writers you know like it's like uh, it's hard to see you differently than uh like if you if you're moving the chairs around it's hard to see you as having the same statue stature as like the artists that are not that are just hanging around and talking to the rich people, you know. So it it was it, I I kind of made the decision that like I don't know that like I mean not that it helped my art career not to work in the gallery scene, yeah. but uh but you know like that feeling of like well I don't want to be like less than these other artists that I'm trying to be, you know? And so that was, that was a, that's why I decided I ended up being a coach and we can talk about that on another, (laughs) in another occasion, because I also loved working with kids, their parents. I fucking hate, but (laughs) I'm still, I'm still like at my new job. I am still having to remind myself that when I fuck up, it's not going to be something that lasts for three months and it's going to be dragged out. I'm like, oh no, I've been reprimanded. It's done. It's over. Yeah, so totally. anyway, I go ahead. I, yeah, I, no, I totally get that. The parents aren't always great, but yeah, you just like do it with the kids for lack of a less corny way to say that. Yeah. But it's, listen, it's been really nice to have you. And uh, I definitely, when all of this Corona shit is done, I would like to uh, hopefully run into you more when we see, when we go to spaces. Hopefully we'll just end up at the same, uh, or at like, unless like Hauser or, or unless like uh, Human Resources does something that's big, that's like, like if it has to be close by for me to make it to something, unfortunately. Oh, but you're close now. I, I just remembered you live in a different part of town. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, do you have anything that you want to promote? No, I mean, if anyone wants to order some scones or bread, they can Instagram message me. And your Instagram is at Falconiverse, which is one of my favorite handles. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I hope that nobody feels like they have to do anything super important besides help each other right now and stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, we need to uh i want i want to thank you for not making me talk about corona today because it's been a nice like break from it dude i'll tell you straight up 
yesterday it got to me and I and I googled how long are we supposed to be on lockdown for? <laughs> that's how bad it is. Right now it's April 19th, but that's like That's not going to hold, dude. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to turn 40 in my uh, all by myself in my I'm apartment. Gonna turn 30 probably in quarantine too. I had like a sprage party planned. A sprage? What sprage? Sprage, like where people like open the champagne bottles with um swords oh <laughs> i didn't work right. out the details yet i'm gonna fucking uh steal that from you and just open a, a champagne bottle on my birthday by myself here <laughs> coming up it's uh it's may 4th yeah when's oh, yours shit. mine's not until june i just feel like we might still be doing this then <laughs> no we probably will uh, uh I, i'm like I'm all excited that I have savings and I'm, and then now that like my last check came in, my last paycheck came in, I'm like, huh, <laughs> this is not great. But yeah, Suck. burning through them like fucking crazy, dude. Well, message me your address and I'll uh, contact free pool of some birthday treats. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, so uh, at Falconiverse uh, on Instagram... She's a good follow. Uh, I like uh, that you're diving into political stuff. Uh, your your political posts do not offend me. I just want you to know because sometimes we post stuff and we get shit from people. I recently t- had to fucking confront someone about that, but um, but yeah, I I uh, you, even when uh, all right, not that I I have the feeling I haven't seen anything that I disagree with, but I have the feeling that even if I disagreed with you, I wouldn't be offended by the post, which I like. I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I make it weird? <laughs> no, not at all. I can't say that I necessarily care if I'd be offending you, but I'm glad that I'm not. Oh, I don't care that, uh, that, that people are offending me. I care that people are messaging me and telling me that they're offended and then not having a dialogue with me. They're just like, this is stupid. <laughs> and, then just yeah. like, and then I'm like, why do you think it's stupid? And then they just don't respond. So... It's it's one of those things that when you when you learn quickly that like when you make a podcast you're gonna hear from critics more than you're gonna hear from the people that enjoy it. Totally. Yeah. That's for anything though, right? Yeah, definitely. Why eh. we I, have to all support each other more and tell one another that we think what they're doing is cool or important or whatever? Because so, usually so, hear from people when they fuck up or something. Yeah. So rate the show, guys. That's what I'm saying. 